Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Your List, My Command. I'm your host, Dave. I'm here with my co-host, Derek. And this time, I, I wonder if we're finally going to, if I'm finally going to pick a movie for Derek that he's going to do more than respect, that he's actually <laughs> going to like or enjoy or, dare I say it, love. Like, could we get there this time? So this time, I'm going with another, like, a in terms of directors, like, you know, got to be top five um, just across the board. I mean, you know, you think of people like hitchcock sure but akira kurosawa like it's hard it's hard to really go wrong hitchcock with, sure with akira kurosawa i guess that hitchcock is i okay. guess he i guess he's okay i guess he's all right But in this episode, we're going to talk about Ron um, Akira Kurosawa's, I guess, in my mind, and we'll get, we'll talk about this more, but his second best Shakespearean adaptation uh, hmm. in his, in his film career. So, um, so Derek, how did this get on your list? Was there like, was there a time in your life where you were like, oh, I really got to watch that and it just slipped away? Or is this like a more recent addition to this list of yours? I guess recent uh, in the suggestion that it would be you know, somewhere within the last five or ten years or okay. something like that. Um, I hadn't seen a Kurosawa film um, my entire life. Obviously, growing up, the access to any of those films would were you know it's pretty difficult. Even in um, you know I took a couple of film classes in uh, undergrad, and you know we're still doing American cinema, cinema history one uh, stuff like that. You're still not getting yeah, any of you that. don't like and none I, of it. And I kind of think it's smart, right? Because I've taken my share of film classes too, and um, I think it's smart to start there, right? Because you don't sure like I love international film obviously if you look at like the movies that i own the movies that i watch and rewatch. but i think if i if i had just been introduced to like kind of independent film and then someone threw some kurosawa at me or you know or any other i mean pick your pick your international filmmaker and it it may have been too much like godard which i just watched a film right, right. incredible but like you got to kind of build up to it i think and i don't know maybe that's me uh underselling american filmgoers but i just think a lot of american filmgoers you need a larger base before you expand into other culture i think that's fair though right because you know like if you you know how it is if you ran into like a 17 year old who's talking about like i've seen eight and a half it's a great film you're like oh shut up yeah like you've not seen anything i think, in American a, I think a lot of people feel like that about adults too like oh god <laughs> yes. here we fucking go and trust me yes. i am that person i know uh i know how i come off when i talk about <laughs> these criterion films and i'm like yeah I know, I know but really it's actually good well and at least you've had you know X number of years. I won't throw your age out there, but you've had you X can throw it out. Forty two. I'm forty two. I'm perfectly comfortable. I, I didn't want to throw it out because I didn't know. It's fine. Um, it's fine. I, I know. Mean... I know. The older I get, the more attracted you will be to me. So I just, I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> nowhere to go but up. That's usually what my wife says too. She's like, "Why do I have to worry 
about any of these like crow feeds. Why do I have facial scheduled? I know what you're looking for. <laughs> yes. But, you know, you know, to your point, it, it is one of those things. I think you do have to kind of ease yourself into, right? Uh, because, and I used to, to say this to my, my sisters who know I, I'm really into movies and I'll talk about, you know, this foreign film or, you know, not too long ago, I got my sister to watch Cinema Paradiso. Mm. And I'm like, it's just a different type of movie. And I know that that doesn't really give you any sort of indication of what to expect. But even after she watched it, she's like, I get it, right? Like, I get that this is not an, you know, an American made film, right? And so same thing with, with Kurosawa for me. It was something that I, that I had eased myself into, uh, with Rashomon, uh, Yojimbo. Um, I think there was another that I had started to watch when I was, I, I kind of get on these kicks where it's like, I need to see everything he's ever done. Mm. And then I realized that, yeah, that's that's not necessarily the undertaking to get done. You should have just done an entire podcast about Kurosawa movies. Why didn't we do that? Why? <laughs> don't, we need to rebrand this. It's not too late. We're only episode five. That's right. We only have like one or two listeners. They'll never notice the difference. That's right. Oh, I guess they're doing that now. That's fine. <laughs> There's no one to commit it to this podcast, even the two hosts. It's fine. True story. So, you know, you bring up this idea of or I guess maybe I brought up this idea. We both did this idea of like trying to ease yourself into, into foreign film or international film. And I would actually argue that Kurosawa might actually be a really good starting point. Hmm. Um, because I'm realizing as I watch more and more of his movies, I think I've watched like five or six of his films at this point. Um, and then they're, and they're all either at, at the minimum good. Like just that's, that's the perfect. Almost. Yes. Yeah. Almost I mean, perfect. Just, yeah. And the thing I love about Kurosawa movies is like you can actually tell these are made these are not made to be art films. These are made for the masses. Like Ron, which we just watched, this movie is. I mean, there's a fair amount of comedy in it. It's it's basically a gigantic epic epic action movie. Like this is yeah. like I think you hear the name right and you're like oh okay I got to buckle down and watch Akira Kurosawa okay and then you sit down and you're like. Uh, this is really fun. Like this is this is a fun movie, and I thought the same the same thing about. So I mentioned this being his second best Shakespearean adaptation. There's a movie he did called Throne of Blood, which is a yes. uh, a Macbeth adaptation, and to me, it's the greatest Shakespearean adaptation ever put to film. So it's hard to live up to. Uh, have you ever seen O? Yeah, I have. You've never seen yes. O, huh? Yes, I have. Uh, not That's quite. Not, have. not quite as good as Throne of Blood, <laughs> the, uh, with the uh, the high quality actor Josh Hartnett in the lead role. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Julia Stiles, yes. There you go. <laughs> um, um, but I'm I'm always, even though I know this, right? I know that um, that it is for the masses. I still find myself surprised by it with every new one of these I watch. And this felt like a new watch to me. Like I watched this literally decades ago, like when I first got into independent film and international film, because I think I watched Seven Samurai and then I was introduced to this. And I, so all I remembered about this is like, I remember that I love this, but that's about it. Cause I watched it 20 right. years ago. Like I, so you were that 17 year old. I was yeah, just bashing. Yeah, absolutely. But I tried mm. to like, keep it quiet. Like mm -hmm. I tried to like shut up mm -hmm. about it. Cause even then I had the insight to know that like, Dave, this is not fucking cool. Like you need <laughs> to just clam up and then, and then well, you turn 30 or 40 and you're like, fuck it. I don't care what people think well, of me. Well then I have to, I have to push back then on your initial point just a little bit then. Okay. Because initially, you know, you're talking about how honestly, this is a film that would have, kind of that far-reaching accessibility because of some of the themes, it's just kind of the stuff we're already 
tailored to be into. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, well, after I, I did see it, it's like, I don't know if I could share this, though, with a lot of people. Because would this be a field that they would really get down with? Mm. And I, I think both of those things are actually really true. And I, and I guess then it poses the question, if this is a film that would be really accessible, if you sit down to actually watch it, right. why don't more people know about it? Does that make sense? Like, is that a, yeah. is that a tough uh, question? Well, I think I think we're kind of talking about two different things. Like, I do okay. think this is a good introduction, but you still have to be talking to a person who wants an introduction. Mm, you know what that's I mean? Fair. That's fair. So it's, yeah. I mean, I, ooh, how do I say this nicely? I can't. I think very lowly of the <laughs> standard film goer. Like I, I just, I think most You're people, hey, shocking, I know. I think, I think most people are simply watching movies purely for entertainment value. Right. And you're just like, I'm going to, you know, there's the whole like, just shut your brain off and have a good time. Go watch, you know, for instance, The Fast and the Furious. Just right. you need to just shut your brain off and enjoy yourself. And I think if you're looking to expand your viewing, then that is not what you're going into movies for. I, th- I think you're hmm. going into it for a little bit more. So if you are looking for something a little bit more like this is a great introduction. I think the only thing that really holds back this being like kind of the perfect movie to introduce someone is like let's be frank the runtime it's a long movie uh yeah. but it's also based on shakespeare and i don't know if you've ever seen a shakespeare play on stage but they're all 3 or 4 hours long like this is just this is just the standard and it's but i find this interesting and i don't know maybe you are the person to talk to about this because i don't know your history as far as like shakespeare goes but have you ever read or seen king lear I've not. Okay. I've actually. You should know where I went to school at. Well, well, but you you branched out later in life. I I don't know, man. I have a lot of catching up to do. We did one Romeo and Juliet play in seventh grade. Yeah, that sounds right. Tights for Benvolio, and that was about it. It's my only only introduction. So that that brings us to an interesting place because I have read like every Shakespearean play. I used to I used to act. I've been in a lot of them. I've seen most of them. So I have this kind of this context for King Lear, right. right? So I watched this and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, it's not a movie where they're like, oh, let's, let's really hide the adaptation. Like it's very much King Lear. Like the only thing that's really different is the gender swap of the children. It's three daughters in the original play instead of three sons here. Um, but everything else is like, man, this is really on point. This is a great, this is a great version of King Lear, but coming at, from your perspective, where you don't maybe don't have that context or that knowledge, is this still enjoyable? Did you have a good time with Ron and the story? Because it's it's such a it's such a broad broad movie, and so much of Shakespeare is because Shakespeare was trying to please the groundlings, like the the poor folks on the floor, as well as like the queen in the rafters. So you had to have a little right. bit of everything. So what about you watching this? What was the process like? I think. Luckily for you, I uh, have a better modern-day archetype in Jin from Ghosts of Tsushima to pull me into... Okay, okay. <laughs> this is the second time uh, that fucking video game... you only knew how mad Dave was right now. <laughs> In the same week, we realized that it's going to be re-released and I get to watch Run. Yeah. Uh, so I was pretty happy about that. But um, to your point in a more serious way, um, I... I'll say this, it, it's one of those, and we've actually talked about this off off the air before, about like the folks that if they come into, you know, wanting to listen to our podcasts, uh, but haven't seen the movie, 
right? Like what's one of the best things or the reactions you can receive from a person like that uh, would be someone that would have a desire to then go back mm. and actually, you know, watch that film that they'd never, you know, potentially even heard of. I think the same thing kind of applies for me in this regard. I enjoyed this film to such a degree that I had two immediate responses. One being, oh, I've, I really need to read this Shakespeare stuff, right, that they okay. never mentioned to me, you know, in K-12. through <laughs> um, I, I might be missing out on some of this stuff. I'll try to understand guy's pretty good. English Just spoiler, nonsense. he's pretty good. It's... Apparently, I mean, he might be okay. Like the Hitchcock guy might be okay. Um, My second was, and this is one of the, maybe, I I think, one of the rare times that, um, you know, I've found myself kind of watching a movie in a way that, you know, if I was stepping back, I would be really uh, hard on myself about, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel as though. Um, and actually, let me preface with: I watched this over a couple of days, mm-hmm. um, and it was really fragmented. It's you know, it's on um, Amazon Prime, and so that allowed me to watch it in one living room. And then, if mm-hmm. you know the kid was being too loud, in another, I could like go take a break, cut the grass, come back <laughs> in. Uh, oh, we got to sit outside. I'll watch you know another twenty minutes on my iPad. That's great. Um, you know, I'll throw this on my phone. And so, honestly, I watched it in so many different formats over so many you know over two days. That once I was done, it was an honest reflection of I've done this film that I still think is great, um, in some way a grave like disservice. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to, and obviously with film in general, like we don't want to ever really con- kind of consume that material like that, right? Like that kind of goes against the spirit of filmmaking. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, or just kind of pulling in the information as the audience. This is a film I, I honestly believe that should be watched if possible in that one sitting to really take in um you know the grandness of it the scope of it you know, things I, i'm sure that we'll we'll get into but i you know i, I know you had kind of mentioned like oh this isn't really like a it's not like an artsy film but in in a way it is this this I, right like i yeah, know it's, what got, you're it's got yeah. that to it for sure it's yeah. got that to it this where... is why it's so great because it's both yes it's an art yes. film and also it's a gigantic war picture too right like it's got both of those and and, and that's and a hard that's balance like right? is amazing like yes. it just and every movie i watch of his i'm always just kind of like all over again stunned at right. this masterful work being put in front of me you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot in, in film, um, and I'll kind of bring it back to exactly what we were just talking about, the idea of finding that balance, right? Like, do you want this 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 artsy uh, film that only you know 20 people are going to go see just to be pretentious outside and say that they saw it? Or do you want this wide release of Fast 9? The same difficulty also applies to how do you present a film like this? Like, do you... Do you have, you know, the military gear and the, the clothing of the time uh, being clean and pristine because that really wouldn't apply to mm. this warlike period? Um, or do you want things dirty and in the muck, kind of like what we see with the majority of Game of Thrones? I, this is a weird film because it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen mm. about something that's so incredibly savage and tragic. Right. And being able to to tiptoe on that line is something that I don't know if many filmmakers could really ever do. I don't know if that's something that you kind of felt on on this rewatch or not. No, absolutely. Um, I, I was actually very struck by exactly that because it is, and it's also interesting coming from a filmmaker that all the other movies I've seen of his are in black and white. Like it's yes. so shocking to see this bright color throughout. Um, 
you know, and not to mention the the bloodiness of this. Like he has made other movies of his that I've seen, there are there's violence to it, but it does, you know, by the nature of black and white photography, sometimes it's a little bit muted. Um, mm. And even if there is blood, you're like, okay, that's dark against white. Okay, I see what's right. going on, and it's more symbolic than real. Whereas watching this, and of course, it's like it's like. Like many movies of the late seventies, early eighties, the blood is like so bright. It is like, but here it works because it's just right. like everything is so presentational here. Um, and you know, you talked about the the kind of military outfits and the kind of traditional garb, and it's stunning to look at. Um, and that's why when these, even though that garb is designed for battle. It's designed for violence. It is so beautiful that when violence happens, it almost it's like shocking. It's a shock to your system. Like there is a scene uh, relatively late in the movie, maybe a little bit past the halfway point where one of the female characters is killed. Um, And you don't actually really see it. Right. You just see this kind of I mean, it sounds weird to say, but this beautiful spray of blood go against the back wall. And it's just so impeccably filmed in a way that is not. They don't. You're not focusing on the violence. You're focusing on the kind of art form of the violence in that it's not moment. Exploitative, no. Right? And it so easily could have been. <clears throat> like right? it's like, and I don't know if you felt the same way. And I agree with you. I don't know if you felt the same way about her character. I think Lady, you know, we're going to butcher some names here. Mm-hmm. Um, Lady Cade, maybe. K a e d e, whatever. It's like okay, so we know that she's and that actress is of, great, by the way. Oh Nico my gosh, in, incredible, phenomenal, maybe, phenomenal. Maybe the best performance in the entire film, like probably. Well, she probably has you know the most. She has the most amount of layers to kind of play with, right? Yeah. Because of that, but not that, that many lines. It's not as if no. the movie focuses on her. She's no. absolutely a supplementary character, but oh my god, is she memorable? <laughs> when when she in when she inserts her her presence or her hand right you know that there's something with a level of weight to it mm-hmm. um and it, it, you know when you, when that scene actually happens and you're kind of building obviously you're building to that uh throughout it's like oh like i you know kind of want to see you know something bad happen because she's kind of she's kind of puppeteered this that's mm-hmm. that's part of you the other part of you it's like well i mean the bad thing happened to her first right right they were right. being taken away and so they could have played that actual, that specific scene in a much bloodier way. Even though we do get a lot of blood, right? The actual beheading, we don't see. We yeah. don't see. And we don't need to see it. And I think that, you know, that's such an important choice to make because I think it's represent, like representative of the type of film, right, that you're watching. Uh, there is a high level of violence, but if it's kind of off in the distance, um, even like the deaths of, of the, you know, the sons, there's nothing too crazy about any of it, right? Like, it's like a shot from the distance, you know, down goes Saburo. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things. And uh, But I appreciate that tone and that specific choice. Um I don't know. It's it's uh, you were concerned maybe a little about whether or not this would be a film, right? That I would really kind of lean into, and even as we talk about it now, um, I, it, it's one that I it will be having to you know I'll have to rewatch really really soon, right? Like right. that's it is a film that you know even some of those moments where you had kind of the warring factions that were, you know you kind of knew a little bit about, but but you weren't really sure of, of you know 
who's in line with who. And that was a feeling that I had at certain points of the film. It didn't take away from anything for mm-hmm. me. And there have been moments in a lot of movies that you watch where it's like, if I don't know who this, you know, who's in line with this specific cat over here or why they're wanting to fight with this group over here or who's this group that's on top of this mountaintop, it throws <laughs> everything off from my level of immersion. And that's not the case with this, right? right. Like, you're still able to watch um, Hidatori, I believe that's his name. Um, mm-hmm. I had Siri. And, you know, nice. say that for nice. me earlier, just to be sure. Good. But Hidatori kind of running around with the fool, which is another fantastic relationship yep. uh, throughout. Having that interspersed when, once he's went mad is a completely riveting arc in line with what's going on in the larger picture of things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you talk to if you talk to people who are really into Shakespeare, even Shakespearean scholars, like the fool in Lear is pretty much known as his greatest creation. Like hmm. it's... So it, I'm really happy that you had that reaction to this version of it because, you know, I think uh, it's so I was thinking about while I was watching this, you know, we recently just watched Akira for this podcast. And I feel like I had the opposite reaction um, as I was watching this and thinking about, like, is Derek going to like this? Because this is the movie I picked for you. Right. And, you know, going into Akira, I was like, oh, Derek's going to love this. And then I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is not going <laughs> to What have well. I done? <laughs> yes. And this was the opposite where, again, I kind of talked about this thing where it's like with Kurosawa, I keep forgetting how approachable the work is. So I'm like, oh, man, I hope I hope this isn't another thing of like, well, I respect what the movie's doing, but mm, it's not really for me. And then I get like halfway through this and all worries just left my brain. I was like, oh, no, he's going to he's going to love this. Like this. This is going to be a great experience for him as long as he can get past the runtime because that's like really the right. only thing getting in the way um and i feel like as i watch it i think it's one of those movies if you make it through the first 20 or 30 minutes and you're enjoying it you're going to be all in because you kind of right. have to get past the like the heavy makeup of the father character and his descent into madness like once you kind of if you can like not get past that, but if you can get into that, then this movie is really going to work for you because everything else is pretty, pretty approachable stuff. Um, and I, and yet, honestly, once you get to the giant battle sequence, like I, I just don't know how you don't love this. Like right. it is, it is one of the most beautiful sequences of film I have ever seen in my entire life. And I, you know, not to be that guy, but I've seen a lot of fucking movies. Like you're and, being that guy. And this one really, really stands out. I, I was watching this, and this happens, like, very rarely when I watch a movie, but I was just, like, like jaw agape, like, watching this unfold, and I was just, like, and it goes on for a long time, and yet I'm sitting here, like, we could just do this for an hour, and I would be here for it. Like, it's totally fine right. if we just keep going along this route. Um, so it's it's pretty impactful stuff, and and yet, like, also the stuff with the stuff with the fool is really funny. It's really enjoyable. It's always great when you, because the a great fool is one who is going to be silly, but also be a truth teller, and that's what yes. you have. He's the only person who can approach the grand leader um, or whatever he calls himself and say this stuff because he can say it with a with a dance and with a joke and with a smile, and, and you just kind of let it go. Whereas if anyone else said this, you know, off with their fucking head, and it would be all over. Even catching a backhand, right, <laughs> which is, you know, what happens from time to time, yeah. is, you know, incredibly less severe than what would, you know, he was willing to pretty much kill off a son in the first yeah. in the first act. And I had my level of transparency sitting there mm. thinking, if my wife and I have more children, 
how do I want to play this? this <laughs> got to have uh, three because you got to have one good have one. You got to have, you one, have good one. one. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking the one I have probably not the good one. <laughs> probably not. You know, gonna gonna just take everything from me. I mean, I just think it's a beautiful story when you, when you really look at how much you know Hidetori had really just he had raped and pillaged for so long. He'd been um, you know so in tune. Right with everything that had to be around him, because that's how you stay in power. That's mm-hmm. how you know control is allowed to be something that you wield. And as he starts to age, and, and this obviously, you know, this isn't a a new concept or a new trope. But as he ages, he he, he starts to misstep. The the realization that these aren't sons that I can even trust is something that's not even on his radar. That I have a daughter-in-law, right? Like, that has been probably planning this for some time. Right. Something he doesn't pick up on. Uh, so someone that was that invested in everything around him, it's just it just starts to crumble, right? The, the moment that he lets his guard down, he realizes that it's already too late. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's tragic, it, you know, in and of itself, probably in line with Shakespeare. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That guy, Not me. you know. Maybe yeah. Dave. I yeah. don't know. He might know. It's... It's really interesting to watch because, you know, I've seen this movie a couple times and I still don't know when it happens that I start to feel sorry for Hidator. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Because, like, as you mentioned, he has raped and pillaged his whole life. He's not a nice man. Like, he's not he's not a good dude. He has killed a lot of people and he has, you know, wield his power in pretty irresponsible ways. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, his one good son who, who would actually call him on his shit and be like, this is a terrible idea, dad. Like, don't, sure. don't do this. I don't want it. Um, and then of course it's the ultimate disrespect, right? So at that moment, you're not feeling bad for him. Cause you're like, oh yeah, he's still kind of a jerk. But by the end of this movie, I don't know if it's his madness. I don't know if it's the performance from Tatsuya Nakadai. Um, I don't know if it's just pure direction, but my God, the moment where his good son dies in his arms, hmm. and of course yes. it's set up so brilliantly, it's like resting his head on his shoulder, it's just like, I just want to talk to my son. That's right. all I want. And then his son is ripped away from him because of this, essentially this war that he has started between oh, his three sons. Right. Um, it's the final consequence for his behaviors yeah. this entire way through. And it, it, you're right. it completely wrecks me. And yet, like, as I look back, I'm like, wait, when did... Shit, when did this happen? Like, how did you get me? Because, like, you know, through at least halfway through the movie, you're like, fuck this guy. Like, mm. you know, Saburo, maybe, like, you care about him, but, like, this lead, sure. you're like, yeah, it's, you know, he's losing his mind. But, like, in some ways, like, man, you kind of earned this shit. Like, I don't feel that bad for you. But by the end, man, it, it, it just kind of rips your heart out. And I still don't know exactly how Kurosawa managed this. Because uh, it's like it's done like kind of on the low. Like you're just like mm. – and all of a sudden you have this realization of like, oh, for the last hour I've actually cared about this guy. And it didn't even really hit me until that powerful, horrible moment. I think, you know, he's – for him he's still showing a certain level of arrogance even after – He's not only kind of given away his power, but once he realizes that what little power that he still wanted to wield isn't going to be there, right? Like, so when he first goes, and I think he's meeting with, with Hero, his his eldest son, mm-hmm. um, and Lady Kate, I think, uh, and they are basically saying, "Yeah, buddy, like this this isn't this isn't how things go down anymore," <laughs> yep. right? At that point, you don't really like anybody. Like, isn't that weird? Like, it, yeah. it, it's rare to have a movie where you don't necessarily feel the push to pull 
for anyone in this. Yep. And yet it's still enjoyable. Yet and yet you're still invested in their narratives. It's it for me it was probably when they I think they end up in like a that that kind of like that shack, right, with mm. uh to Sarah, nope, not going to try that. Uh, the, the blind, right? Like yes. the blind brother uh-huh. of, of of Sue. And that realization of like, yeah, my eyes were gouged out and all these horrible things happened. Thanks, man. And now you want a place to stay. And it's one of those, it's like he has a completely legitimate reason to not give you any place to lay your head. And you still kind of, you know, at least for me, I start to, to then feel bad uh, for him to, Hittatora, because it was a, oh, your demons are coming back, right? Like, they are coming up from the ground. You're already in this space in which these these sons, in which you never really showed affection to or needed that type of relationship. Those aren't the dynamics that you built in this particular period. But they don't even care enough to make sure that you're okay or to make sure that you're going to be watched after. So you lose that, and now you have to deal with the residue of the hurt and pain that you've caused everywhere. There's nowhere to run, even in, in a random shack, you know, to, to get away from the, the, the storm or the war. Um, there's no release from that realization. For me, that was probably when I was like, oh, I wouldn't want to be him, right? Like, I don't want to be in that man's shoes in any capacity. Yeah, and he does a particularly good job at um, portraying a man who is haunted, um, mm, mm. and it would be so easy. And there are, of course, moments where it's over the top. I think it's a stylistic choice, but for me, it never, and this is one area where I could see like a new viewer kind of like tuning out of this. Cause it is, they do really go for it. But for me, it never gets to a point where I'm like, Oh, okay, this is enough now you can, <laughs> you can stop. But I can see a, a viewer getting to that point. It's like, it's, it's like kind of dancing on the head of a pin here about like going too far or not far enough because, you know, they make the choice to not show you these demons. They could have done like a really haunting thing sure. and do something like they did in Throne of Blood with the witches, but they decide to just let the actor portray this this feeling of being overrun by your own evil actions and it's just Oh, of, that's where the title came from. I get it now, Dave. <laughs> overran? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I I think that, that might was be the runtime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but I, I also think Kurosawa does a number of really clever things. You had mentioned, you know, the the death of this woman that is not done in such a way. Like, it's not a horror movie, right? It's not yeah. a, like, I'm going to lop the head off and it's going to roll down the aisle. Like, it's not going to be like that. And I think Kurosawa is poking fun at his audience the entire time because there's this recurring thing of this like supposed head wrapped up in this cloth. Yes, they keep being they keep tempting like we're gonna show you. Uh, nah, it's not really that. Just kidding. Like and it over and over and over again, and it's like he's telling you like the violence is not the point. Like the violence is the price that we pay. It's not, this is not something you should be enjoying. So he's almost like chiding you as you're enjoying this war because at the, you know, near the very end, there's a whole speech where the, the fool is like yelling at the gods, right? Which is, which is very moving. Like, does it, do you enjoy taunting us? Do you enjoy watching us play in your little games? And then, you know, the, I can't remember the character's name in the movie, but he's the character of Kent in, uh, in the Shakespearean play. kind of tells him to shut up. He's like, the gods didn't do this. Like, we're doing this. We are right. making these choices. And it's like in a moment where the fool is screaming and it's like it's moving, but it's not 
it's not dramatic. It's just like it's it's still a little bit silly. And then he pipes up and kind of tells the audience what it's really about. And it's like, oh shit! I was having a good time, <laughs> Kurosawa, and you just like drop the hammer out of nowhere because it is a movie that is bloody and big and you're just like okay i can just fucking relax and enjoy the epic scale of this and then by the end of the film he really brings it down to the personal level whether you're talking about the family and the loss or you're talking about this character who's just telling you you know stop acting like this this is what this will this is what your actions will lead to like yes this is on a more epic scale but look at the ways that we kill each other that the ways that we punish each other as humanity and he's just putting it all on a plate for you like okay uh you had a good time for 3 hours now deal with this like it's right. it's rough well and even how like you're saying when the when the fool is basically blaming the gods for you know treating man like ants right mm-hmm. like wanting you know to flies to wanton boys things of of that nature I think if that is, you know, thematically the direction the film wants to go in, it lets everyone in the film off the hook. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. It lets everyone off the hook because it doesn't matter what decision that... It's the gods. Know, it tore, it's <laughs> the gods, whoopsie-daisy. I mean, I'm just going to go and kill everybody because, well, it's I'm going to have a horrible death because of how the gods basically, you know, puppeteer us. But instead, the, the suggestion that, hey, not only is it not the gods, but this has been going on for like a long time already. Uh, this will be something that is very cyclical in nature. And if we don't find some way of kind of breaking this, uh, this won't be the last kind of situation where we see a, a an entire family, legacies, completely ripped apart, torn apart, destroyed, you know, left for dead. Uh, you know, sand essentially, because that's that's exactly what's going to happen to you know Hero and Sabira and the the other brother who I've already forgotten. Like that's kind of the point, right? Is that mm-hmm. they are turned to dust. Yep. And I kind of like the idea that that's what you know maybe that's even a reason that we don't see these big, um, you know, dramatic death scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, why do we need that, right? Like right. what we know is that they are just one of a billion other situations because man hasn't had the capability of being able to figure this stuff out yet, right? right. Uh, so it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, Hidetora who had, you know, this far-reaching scale of power. He is, too, going to be, you know, fallen to his own mistakes. Yeah. Um, pretty powerful stuff, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just really briefly before you finish up, I want to go back to something that you had mentioned um, you were kind of talking about like it's it's hard to make a film where you don't really like anybody and yet you're engaged and you still somehow care and you're not sure why. I would say the only the only exception to that is Saburo. Um, mm, yeah. But I find it interesting that if you watch like after that first sequence, throughout most of the first half and even a little into the second half, he's not there. He's not present and. You know, I think that has a lot to do with why we care about him because we're like, wait, he's the one who like actually stood up and made the correct choice. And now he's just like disappeared. And if anything, he becomes this like ghost figure um, who's like, you know, ripping and running and attacking these places. But we never really see what's going on um, until someone tells him like how bad off his father is. And it's. It's a really stunning kind of moving moment that even despite everything that's happened, his father basically disowned him and sentenced him to death. 
but he found out his father had you know lost his mind and is in trouble and his first reaction is to go to him and to help um mm. and this is what ultimately to me separates him from his brothers and not only his brothers but everyone connected to his brothers who are after the power and after the battle and he's just like that's not what this is about the reason this this upset me is not because like he was giving the power more power to my older brother than to me it's because this is a bad idea and i want what's best for everybody um so for him to come through in that moment like that really fits with this character and i think it's a really smart script decision to hold back from showing him um, through most through most of the film because then it allows you I think still to enjoy that giant battle sequence because if you if you have 25 more minutes and granted this is already two hours and 50 minutes already do we really need another 20 minutes probably not but if we have another 20 minutes of him of character building for that character then I think it's harder to enjoy the 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 kind of big violence of that of that sequence with the like, you know, the giant palace on fire and everything else going right. on there. It's a little bit harder to be like, oh, yeah, this is so great because you're like, oh, this poor kid. Like, he has been so damaged by what his father did. So I think that's a super smart decision, but also kind of gutsy to have one mm. of your lead characters, the one that you're going to have to bond to the most by the end of the film, to just remove him from like an hour to an hour and a half of a three hour long movie. It's like, oh, wow, that is that is a choice. But, of course, it's Kurosawa, so he manages it just fine. It does not feel like we're missing anything, at least to me. To that very point, right? Like, if this were an American-made film, that's probably not a choice you would see. No. Right? No. Like, the, you know, the, your main protagonist. Yeah, six-hour miniseries. Like, oh, yeah, there, well, there'd be no way that he would, that you wouldn't have him on film because you had to have the good guy. you you got to see his face, right? Mm-hmm. Just going back to you know Marvel films that you love so much. Um, not only do they have to be present in just about every other scene, <laughs> I mean, you've got superheroes who have to walk around with, without their mask on, right? right? Like, so they that exposure is inherently necessary in a lot of the films that we're more used to watching, right? So right. not having him there, I think, like you said, not only a great point um, or not only a great decision, it's also great, and this, again, someone who hadn't read King Lear, so I don't know how this was depicted there. It's also great that he also died, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like, I think, again... He paid the ultimate if, price. He paid the ultimate price, and he is still... He still has to face those same consequences of, as they would say in a very biblical way, the sins of the father, right? It doesn't matter. At the, I mean, it was very important for that one moment on the horse that he came to get his dad. You know, very important for them... Uh, but at the at the end of the day, his good works doesn't necessarily, or his good work doesn't necessarily outweigh the damage that's been done, right? right. And I think the film is would be potentially cheapened had you know you had this even even if it's Sabiro lives and his dad kind of drifts off in his sleep. Uh, to his death while riding the horse. I think the film's still kind of cheapened in some regard yeah. unless they both kind of get it. Um, because I think their their end is still quite different than the end of the brothers and everyone else in the film who who die, you know, at the hands of of uh, just kind of being in the mix of the war, right? And they're still they're still removed, even if they're shot from afar, they're still kind of removed and like you said, they have this personal touching moment that could never have been had in the middle of the war, right? That would have right. felt 
fake or tacked on or, you know, like you, when you're watching a film and it feels as though like everything else that's going on, people are just pausing to wait for that moment to transpire. Uh, having it kind of be removed from that is touching, but also indicative of how their path was different right. at the end than everyone else's. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Well, I'm glad I finally picked a movie that you love. It's all right. That's really good. Uh, by the way, I just looked it up. Uh, Ron translates to chaos or turmoil. Um, so that, huh. that, which makes perfect sense. I mean, that, that really fits with this movie uh, for sure. So... Derek, our next episode, uh, what, what from my list are you going to have us watch? You know, we're actually, Dave, we're doing something. Are we on some theme where we just kind of pick similarly titled, like one word titles? <laughs> and then like a couple of weeks ago, it was like 18 different words and commas and all <laughs> yes, that. Yes. Uh, That's right. We so, did sexualize a videotape and the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover, all those commas. <laughs> we're keeping it. We're keeping it simple this time. We uh, are going to watch a little film. A little film, uh, a short film <laughs> called uh, Giant, uh, 1956 uh, Giant, um, starring my beautiful Elizabeth Taylor and some other folks I don't even know. Uh, so I'm, ex- yes, Dave, I know there are so other you, people in this movie. You picked you picked a movie longer than Ryan. <laughs> like, how did... I did that, what yes. Mo- what kind of monster are you? How dare you? I, I, you know, what's funny is I actually didn't think about it when you because you'd picked you know run first and uh then i was like scrolling because i knew i hadn't picked a film prior to that and i'm like i I need to be on my game here i can't have dave just waiting look at all that you know white noise downtime you have to edit out so (laughs) ah there it is giant perfect film uh and then when we you know we go to actually watch these things i'm like man that's a (laughs) I'm like, uh, well, I love that you're Ashley, like motherfucking yourself. <laughs> like, God yes. damn it! <laughs> yes, what I do. It's like that's a lot. That is that is a lot of movie watching. Um, but yes, that is so. That's the film for for you. Um, I think right. it'd be all right. I all think, right, I, I think so, so. So yeah, I so, the, so so that's next time we'll be watching Giant, starring Elizabeth Taylor, Rock Hudson, and James Dean. Um, like I said, the other people. Yeah, those other not Elizabeth the, the little people. Yes. Um, so in the meantime, uh, if you'd like to hear more from us, um, you can follow us on Twitter at your list pod and on Instagram at the same at, um, yeah. So go ahead and follow us and then, uh, watch, watch giant. You'll have to pay to watch it cause it's not streaming for free everywhere, but you know, when it's like four hours long, you get your money's worth for that rental. So, uh, go check that out and then, uh, come back and listen to us talk about giant. Off-Broadway musical with this? Oh my god. Of they, giant? They sure of did. Of, of giant. Huh. Yep. Yep. That is a thing that exists. That is upsetting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>